Kia ora again, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to another edition of Wednesday Night with Nice. This is where sports talk and coffee collide. Great to be with you. Just got to get the uh, coffee stirred, actually. I think I may have forgotten to boil the jug. Hmm. Oh, no. It's okay. It's hot. It's warm. That'll do the trick. Um, look, thank you, uh, everybody who has sent through uh, questions for this week's edition. Greatly uh, appreciated. Uh, also, I do have another poll for you as well as he scrolls down and we now activate the aforementioned poll and that should be up and rolling right now for you pretty straightforward one in terms of uh the poll that we are going to be doing this morning at least i think i've done that poll yes i have i want to show that in the video there anyway we'll figure that out what is the poll question hopefully you can find it who oh here we go i can now see it so hopefully you can as well who is the greatest player of men's tennis big three? I thought, do I open it up to Serena? But the simple fact is, is Serena is just so dominant in terms of her um, uh, her performances in the female ranks. I, I thought, this is a more intriguing question. If I throw Serena in there, I think it just clouds it slightly. So I did just want to focus on these three gentlemen who have just dominated, as Serena has done. But Serena's really done it on her own pretty much over the course of her career. These three gentlemen and the way that they have dominated at, at various points. So who of men's tennis big three, the current big three as we know them, Roger, Rafa, Novak, who's the greatest player in your opinion? Can't wait to see the results uh, of this one as we go. Uh, to me, it's it, there's no wrong answer. You can make outstanding cases for all three of these gentlemen. Um, so, look, that's what I'm just throwing in there. That's that's your poll question for the week. Bucket loads of really great stuff here. We're going to be talking uh, rugby, bit of league, some baseball thrown in there as well, a little bit of uh, NFL, some cricket, Um a little bit of a Warriors season debrief, a bit of F1, uh, box, uh, yarns from the box, Geo, I, I hope you don't mind this one here. Uh, my favourite Brian Ashby story is my mate Brian Ashby, who uh, ceased his outstanding broadcasting career down there in, in Canterbury on Friday. My yarns from the box is going to be uh, about Gash. And we'll also talk as well about this uh, 12 aside thing that they're proposing. If you do want to get involved, pop your comments into uh, the live broadcast section as I scroll through the questions I will then uh, finish the questions these ones I've got here I will uh, roll through and pick up your questions as well uh, as you go that have gone through the, the comments so sort of in a couple of parts here so questions yarns from the box and then we'll dive into the comment section of the live broadcast let's get stuck in from Craig Awesome to see NPC starting again. I think it's a bit unfair on the Auckland teams to be playing catch-up games with the potential for short turnaround, uh, but not a loss else can be done in this particular situation. Switches on to the NRL. Of the three remaining options, uh, which club do you think will be the 17th NRL club? Should it go somewhere other than Queensland? So as I understand it, uh, Craig, and, and people, please correct me if I'm wrong, you got Brisbane Bombers, Redcliffe Dolphins, Brisbane Firehawks, and apparently there's like a, a Western Courier group. They haven't actually given their team a name yet. So those, I'd heard four options, Craig. So maybe one had dropped out recently. I'm not sure. Love the idea of the Redcliffe Dolphins simply because I guess it's a name that we, well, I'm familiar with. I think league fans are familiar with. That said, 
Would I like it another team to go into Queensland? I think they're well serviced at the moment by the Titans, the Cowboys and the Broncos. And look, Brisbane for me is the same. Melbourne is a one-team town. I don't think another team is going to work in Brisbane. Um, even though I know it's big enough, I just don't. It's such a Broncos-dominated town. Um, I always like the idea of going back to Adelaide. Um, I always thought that would be a, a good spot. Perth, again, I think that's just... Even though it's it's quite a transient community, it's still very much AFL. Great rugby community over there, but very much an, an AFL community in my eyes. Is there a, is there another place that they should be thinking of, Craig? Yes. New Zealand. Isn't it time? Second New Zealand franchise? I think it's worth a look. I think it's worth exploring. I know people have uh, thought about it, looked at it feasibility-wise. You know, something I think just to, to keep thinking about. Um, I think New Zealand offers a lot to the NRL. I'm not saying I want it as a payback for what the Warriors have done. I've stated quite clearly the Warriors should not have to play a game in Australia once they actually get Trans-Tasman travel back to its regular, normal, to use that phrase in inverted commas, whatever is normal is now, status. Um, but why not New Zealand? Why not based in Wellington? Wellington's got a great league community. Whaono Ken Laban will tell you all about that down there. Um, but the, the one that stands out for me, Craig, to answer your question directly, Redcliffe Dolphins to me is the one that I like. Familiar, familiar name, but isn't a Brisbane Bombers or a Brisbane Firehawks actually has something which to me would differentiate it. You've got you know, Gold Coast Titans, North Queensland Cowboys, Brisbane Broncos, Redcliffe Dolphins. There's at least some sort of disparity or, 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 or um, difference in terms of just going Brisbane blah. That sort of thing. So that's where I, that's where I kind of like. Um, but yeah, I would still like us to explore the option of possibly a um, uh, another New Zealand team. Uh, from Daniel, is Dave Rennie under pressure now that the Wallabies have a big task against Australia this weekend? No, I, I think Dave has got enough collateral. He's got the backing of Scott Johnson, which I think is absolutely huge. They are committed to 2023 under Dave Rennie. Um, he is a good coach. I think we all know he is a, a very good coach. And I, and I think we are seeing signs that they are heading in the right direction. A couple of wee tweaks here and there. Um, but no, I don't think he is under very, any pressure. And to be quite frank, the Wallabies play South Africa a lot better than what they play New Zealand at the moment. They've actually played South Africa you know, pretty close in, in recent. They've had some really good battles. So for my mind, no. Dave Rennie, not under pretty, any pressure. I think he's pretty secure uh, because of the fact that he does obviously have that working relationship as well with Scott Johnson. So no, I, I think he is fine. Uh, from DG, who would be your pick for the MVP of the National and American Leagues in baseball? So AL for me is a two-horse race. It's Shoya Tani, who is ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Okay, now I know a lot of people just say, it's Otane, you know, just give it to him now. He's got a lead, but Guerrero's that kind of a player where if he gets something really going, I th and he's got things going nicely at the moment, it's got to be said. I think Vlad Jr. can make a run, but at the moment, for me, it's Otani's to lose. If you go over to the National League, I just throw my hands up, because I genuinely don't know. At the moment, I would have... Harper and Fernando Tatis Jr. neck and neck. 
they're, they're really close. But then you've got other players lurking underneath. Um, and Freddie Freeman should be in the conversation. A guy like Paul Goldschmidt, I think, is another one who should be in the conversation. But when you read online, probably isn't. Um, but for me, Harper, who's doing it, you watch him do it. The statistics are, are pretty darn good. And Fernando Tatis as well as living up to that, that reputation, that contract uh, that he signed, that massive deal. So that's a harder one to pick. But for me, it's Otane from Vlad Jr. Vlad's got to do something special. Otane's just got to keep doing what he's doing, which is absolutely outstanding at the moment, DJ. And you also asked, do you know when the new draw for the F- NPC-FPC uh, will be available? Don't forget the Heartland Championship. Thank you, sir. Thankfully, the Heartland hadn't started, so I'm sure they'll just be able to get that up and rolling. Uh, no, but it can't be too far away because, obviously, we start... We'll resume the competition on the 19th of September. Um, as you know, I've got some uh, commentary uh, jobs with Sky Sport and, and, and also with radio as well. Um, and I know I got an email from um, Sky saying, look, um, this is what is happening in terms of once we get the draw, we'll be able to redo rosters and that sort of thing. And you can find out whether you're working or not, that sort of thing. So it's not too far away. All right. Um, so I would suspect, what are we, Wednesday? I'd say you'd see something Friday. They'd want to give them at least seven days. So either tomorrow or Friday is when I suspect you will see something. From Matt. Easy one. <laughs> Great opening line from OBC. First, red yellow, uh, red card, yes or no. This is obviously in reference to the Geordie Barrett incidents. Uh, Matt has heard compelling arguments from Nigel Owen and Sir John Kerwin. SJK suggests redoing the law book. I'm going to come back to that one. Right. Red card, yes or no? Yes. Under the laws. And the way that the referees have been asked to officiate that particular aspect of the game, Damon Murphy and his officiating crew got it right. Red card. Now, here's where I find it quite interesting. Okay, so, Geordie has gone to the judiciary. They've brought in their lawyer, Steve Cottrell, who is a brilliant sports lawyer. They have gone out and got with you the head of biomechanics from, from AUT, brought her in and they've presented a compelling case and now Geordie has been um, had the red card rescinded and he's free to play. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to what is wrong with rugby. A decision was made where former players, not referees, former players, held this judicial hearing. Presentations were made by a lawyer and a biomechanic. That is what's wrong with our game. That is what is wrong with our game. Now look, I I can sit here and I can say, look, I'm glad he got off. I... There's a lot of talk about intent, not intent, this sort of thing. He still made studs up contact with the face of a player. Now, that warrants a sanction, in, in, in my opinion, because he, his technique was not good. I, I, I disagree slightly with what was being said in terms of um, the, you know, the, the, the biomechanic and the way she explained it. To me, uh, his technique wasn't good. Because he he overextended himself, which is not the way you do it, and hence leg came up. He made contact, studs up. That's that's dangerous play. It's reckless play. Wasn't in control of his body. 
So uh, that's getting a bit off track. The, the fact that you have to go to a lawyer and a biomechanic or, or a, a, someone who is well-versed in biomechanics to get him off is what is wrong with the game. Why isn't this, being, this decision being made by rugby people? Okay, it was a rugby incident. You know, we are overcomplicating something that does not need to be overcomplicated. Now, should he have the red card expunged? Yep, I don't have a problem with that. Should he have gotten away scot-free? No. In my opinion, he should have got a citing commissioner's warning issued, which is the equivalent of an on-field yellow card, which I think if we, if we look in the grand scheme of it, it was dangerous. It caught a guy in the head. Wasn't a deliberate act, but it was still dangerous, and you still need to um, penalise that because he did get it wrong, and he made contact and could have done some damage. Thankfully, he didn't. I would have thought at least a, a citing commissioner's yellow card for me. So that, that's one point, Matt. Here's the other thing for, for me, and right now, people, I'll tell you right now, I feel for the referees, I feel for the referees for rugby, I feel for referees in a lot of sports but right now I feel for the referees of rugby because Damon Murphy and his crew did everything by the book the way they have been instructed to do it and guess what the judiciary has I wouldn't say it has thrown them under the bus but once again what has happened here is it's it's complete, it's diminished the 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 ruling of the referee they've, they, he's got it right but in a way they're saying he's they've got it wrong and that that's just so confusing but you know we sit here now what why are people get, getting so turned off with rugby why are people wanting to look for for other things yeah they, they get confused this is what is confusing they're looking at that and going, hang on, it's a red card. Now, these guys are saying that the refs have done something wrong, but they've actually done nothing wrong. So, well, I'm going to go watch the Storm play Manly this Friday night. and <laughs> that's, that, that's what frustrates me, is we have just... We are just not doing things right. We're not creating solutions in the game of rugby. And I'm going to throw, I'm going to say we. I'm not going to like sit on the outside of it. I'm, I'm part of it. I still have a role, small as it may be, in the media. And so I still believe I've got a role to play with regards to that. We have got big problems in the game of rugby. And we're not doing enough to fix it. Matt, you made the comment about Sir John Kerwin suggesting redoing the rule book. John's right on. Sir John Kerwin is right on the money. I've said it. I put it on a post earlier today, even threw it up on social media. The law book is long overdue for a full review. And it got pointed out to me, oh, didn't they do something like that two years ago? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll throw that back. If they did do something two years ago, how effective has that been? Has, has it cleared things up for you? No. Okay. You go through, law by law, you go, word by word, line by line, law by law, and what you do, and, and I know some of you are going to hate me for saying this, but we forget about the fans, we forget about the players, and we make it easier for the referees to make the decision. Okay, We don't want them looking at a million different things at one point. We want them to be able to look at a situation and have two options. Not three, four, or five. 
not having to worry about what this, this, this and this is doing. Simplify, strip it right back, allow the referees to make simple decisions, bang, quickly and effectively. Okay, because the referees just keep getting thrown under the bus. Someone made a comment, it was a throwaway line, you know, oh look, you know, if we simplified and made it easier for the referees, you know, oh, what are we going to talk about in between games? What you're going to talk about in between games is the actual games. We're going to get back to talking about the players, talking about the tactics, focusing on that. If we take that and make it easier for the referees to officiate, it makes it easier for the players to play because they have, and they love this word, they have clarity. And they have consistency. It's continuity across the board. Okay? Try to eliminate interpretation. So you reword things so that it's nice and clear and simple. There's no ambiguousness. There is no confusion. Nice and clear. And then we allow the refs to officiate. And it makes it easier for the players. And if it's easier for the players, guess what? It's easier for us watching it as fans. And we start to understand. And so we have less of these controversial moments. And we're always looking for controversial moments, it seems. And then we actually get back to talking about the players who played well. Why certain patterns were working well in this game. We start talking about the tactics, the structure, the move by taking this player off and bringing this player on. We actually start talking about the game as opposed to the laws of the game. And we seem to be doing that a lot at the moment. So that is what I'd like to see. So I agree with Sir John Kerwin. But it's not just a, not just a, as I say, it's not just a, a look or whatever it is they did two years ago because that hasn't worked. Go through it, word by word, line by line, law by law. Get Nigel Owens, get Jerome Garcia's, get some of those top former players, players who have recently retired, ones who have got, you know, look, get, you get the likes of McCaw involved. I would be getting the likes of Alan Wynne-Jones involved. You get those top players, those players who have got the, the, the intellect to be able to uh, give the kind of guidance to help the officials. We need to do more to help the officials. There we go. Rant over. Uh, B, can you see, as suggested by someone, the outlawing of jumping for the ball? No, I can't. Can't see that happening, mate. Uh, after six tests, what grade would you give the All Blacks? Matt continues. And is there any area of concern moving forward? Tries off quick ruck ball is the worrying one for me. Um, look, I'd give them... I'd probably give them a B. I still don't think they've really hit their straps um, to the level that they want. I, I guess part of the reason I've given them the D... Against Australia, they've still conceded three tries a game. And that's just a little bit too much for me. I'd like to see that tightened up. Um... And you're right, some of the nature of some of those tries as well as a little bit disconcerting. But for me, it's just the con the conceding of tries. You know, defense wins wins championships, you know, the old cliche. Um, so, yeah, that would be my only area for me is some of that defense just needs to be tightened up just a touch. Three tries is probably three too many. Uh, and yes or no, has anyone taken the sixth jersey from Akira any sign soon? Not if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, Matt. Um, just really growing. Um, can roam out wide happy though to put the head down and do that work in tight I mean his numbers were pretty impressive in terms of an all round game 
and he looks like he's really comfortable and happy within himself. So, um, not at the moment. I don't see anyone taking taking it off him soon. Fourth and final question from Matt. Field or the Storm? Uh, I'm going to take the Storm. I, I think they're the, ones, they're the ones to beat. I know Penrith's getting healthy at the right time. A couple of wee niggles with regards to the Storm, but for my mind, it's... It's Bellamy v. Cleary. I think that's really the way to go. Um, Bellamy, I think, has been outstanding. So Storm, I take the Storm at the moment. Thank you very much for that, Matt. Hope everything's well over there. Uh, From Jamie, three questions from me this week. One, how will Aaron Rodgers' off-field distraction, off-season distraction, affect the Green Bay Packers this season? Won't. He will come out. He will have gone in. He would have spoken to that locker room. Might have even cleared out the coaches. May have done it with the coaches present. But I suspect he just would have gone and said, hey, and and I, and I think this has been highlighted by a couple of players as well. So I'm, I can't exactly say I'm regurgitating this out of my own. I've seen other people say it, and, and I, I believe it to be true. He would clear them out. He'd say, hey, guys, it was business. It was business. I got your back. Okay? You know I got your back. I've proven to you over the years. I've got your back. Let's go win a championship. Perhaps, ah, out he goes. And he will be, as Stephen A. Smith likes to say, a bad man. So it's not going to have any impact whatsoever. Uh, with injuries from Bled 3, what changes do you make for Argentina? Well, it sounds as though Artie and Cody are going to be uh, good to go. Um, for me, I actually don't make too many changes, if any, at all. Or the one change I really want to see, and it's nothing against Dalton Papali'i, who I thought played really, really well. I want to see Artie at seven. I want to see Luke Jacobson at eight. That's probably the only real, you know, change I might make. Do I roll Geordie out again after the week he's had? I don't know if they will. They might start Damian McKenzie, put Geordie on the bench, possibly. Um, But that's one I really want to see. I want to see... And say so it's no knock on Dalton, but I want to see Artie at seven, Luke at eight, with Akira playing the way he's playing at the moment. That is what I, the change I'd like to see. Any chance we will see Smith, Whitelock, Coles, or Mwanga at all on this tour? Sam Whitelock leaves on, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, I was just reading before I came onto this broadcast. Uh, so I think he's got a two-week quarantine. So won't be there for Argentina, won't be there the next week, that'll be the first week. So maybe that last game against South Africa, possibly. Um, It's assuming they've got the two-week quarantine, I think I've read that correctly. So he's on his way. I haven't heard anything though about Smith or Coles or Moanga at this stage. Thank you for your questions by the way, Jamie. Carlin, what have you made of the Black Caps if it's in Bangladesh so far with an inexperienced quad? Look, they're fighting. You can't deny they're fighting. It's, it's not easy to go to. You know, we, we thought, I think we, we discussed this on the show prior to, you know, um, uh, prior to the, to the start of it. Bangladesh is going to be tough. Yeah, you know, the pitchers are going to play pretty strong, and we've seen that. They've played the way we've expected them. But what I like is we're seeing a lot of guts. We're seeing courage. We're seeing some really good efforts. We're seeing a little bit of innovation as well. I think they're being well led by Tom Latham. So, look, I'm, I'm encouraged. And... The whole point with this inexperienced squad, as you allude to, again, it is going to continue to build the depth. These players are going to have this experience that they'll be able to lean on as they move forward in their cricketing career. So, look, overall, yeah, it's, it's been tough. It's never going to be a cakewalk, but I like what I'm seeing. I like the fight, and I think this is going to just continue to help build 
um, the depth, this good depth that we're really starting to get in New Zealand men's cricket. From Corey, hello old mate. Well, the season is finally over for one of us. He's a Warriors fan, by the way. Uh, good luck to the Slippery Eels, though. Yeah, we ain't going far. We should get past week one. like to think we get past week one, but yeah, that'll be us. Horrible way to finish the season off for the Warriors. I had to turn it off, and that doesn't happen often. Corey is pretty hardcore, so it must have been bad for him to do that. Who have you got for recruiter of the year? Mine would be, I saw Papali'i to the Eels, just flourished. Um, there was a definite loss to the Warriors. Yeah, I, I went through and I was trying to think, okay, who else um, in terms of off-season recruits? Fafita? But even then, Fafita, at the end of the season, he went from you know being a starter. They were utilising him sort of off the bench, um, playing similar minutes. You could throw maybe Fafita into that particular mix. I don't think um, Tino was was that big. So I, I, you'd have to say in terms of recruit of the year, I think definitely Parramatta got their money's worth out of Isaiah Papali'i. He flourished. He just looked uh, so good in that system, working on the edge. And so, yeah, I, I can't argue with you, Corey, actually. I'm trying to think of... Who else might fit into that? But, yeah, I would probably have to say Papali'i. When did, when did Luttrell head over? Was it last year, this year? I can't remember. Cannot remember. Brain absolute fear at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd make a good case for that. I'd make a very good case for that. Uh, from Hugh, what does George Bridge bring to the All Blacks? I don't see him offering anything more than some other good wingers out there like Rayasi, Faenganuku. So um, a lot better assured under the high ball than Salisi. Um, he brings you experience. This is a guy, remember, who has started big games at Rugby World Cups. He brings you composure. Um, in terms of Salisi, there is still question. And, and defensive positioning, I think, is a big one for George Bridge uh, as well. That's where I think he gets Salisi. He gets him in terms of under the high ball. I think he's a little bit better as well. as Salisi's great going forward. Does have his issues going back sometimes. In terms of... Um, Whanganuku, that's a great one because to me they are such differing wingers. You've, you've got that power winger list of Whanganuku. Um, but they've got Rico now starting to go and even though you look at him, don't think he's, he's still, you would class him as a power winger. Okay, so I think they like the insuredness. He can slot into fullback if you require him to. But one thing that I've seen in the time that I had covering the All Blacks and that they do this a lot is they like to go with the players they know and they want to see high quality performances out of players for a couple of seasons. Now Leicester had a great season last year, uh, this recent Super Rugby season, or seasons if you want to call it. He does that again and I think he definitely comes back into the mix. Funnily enough so would Caleb Clark sort of come back into the mix too. So I think that's quite an interesting one for me but I think what George gives them is that assuredness that they look for, that experience, they know him and that's something that they do have a tendency to do, Hugh. From Zippy, we skip secret is out. Bottas off to Alfa Romeo. Hopefully he can get out of the shadow of Sir Lewis and showcase his talent there. Look, he's had a great opportunity, Zippy, to so showcase his talent driving the same machine as Lewis Hamilton. Um, so we, we know he's talented. We definitely know he's talented. Um, so, yep, it'll be interesting. Well, I think the bigger part of that story, Zippy, is no more Kimmy. I love Kimi Raikkonen. I love the stories. I love listening to the, the, the radio chat when he's on. The story about, what was it, oh, him and there's some big offshore powerboat race in Finland. Him and his three, and two of his mates won it uh, dressed up as gorillas. So like when they came over the line, here were these three gorillas by the, <laughs> the, 
had the controls on his power boat. There is Kimmy Riken and his mates. Also as well, Kimmy, where was it? At Monaco, crashing on one part. They see him walking, commentators, oh, there's Kim walking back to the pits, and then one of the other ones, that's not the pits, and he, he jumps the fence, and next minute he's, just, he's walking onto his boat, which is more than the harbour there. Uh, I'm going to miss Kimmy. I love Kimmy. He's, he's hilarious. He's absolutely hilarious. And finally, uh, question, Isaac, you got in just in time, old son. Thank you so much for this. Thoughts on this 12 size competition? A possible auction a la Indian Premier League cricket. Will it work? Will you watch? Now, okay, so my initial thought was, okay, great. So we've got 7s, 10s, now we've got 12s and, and, and 15s. And, and again, this is another example of rugby eating itself away from the inside out. Uh, do we need 12s? No. Um, do I understand what they're trying to do? Yeah, the, I, I mentioned you know the IPL style auction. That's what they're trying to do. They, they want the best players. They want it as an auction. They want to um, get the best players playing with the best players. And okay, that's fine. I can I can understand that. Um, and there's the the one thing that's I think is flowing under the radar a little bit that I absolutely love. And it hasn't been picked up, or at least I haven't seen many people pick up on it. This isn't solely male. There's going to be a female tournament kicking in as well. Now, that female tournament's not going to kick in until 2023 because of the fact that the World Cup is now scheduled for next year. So that's going to start 2023. Um, so I, I like the fact that it's got that element to it, reading through. Squads are going to have to have at least two Tier 2 players. What constitutes Tier 2, though? Um, if you constitute Fiji as a tier two, oh great, someone's going to get, someone's going to go over and get um, the likes of a um, Nakarawa, Sammy Red Radra. Sammy Red Radra, one of the greatest players in the world, class as a tier two player. Give me a break, okay? That's that's some of the things I need to see, and one under twenty player as well. So the little things that that I like, but my, look, it's about timing. You want to do it in August, rugby championship. Now, if there's a bucket load of money's on it, are you think that our top New Zealand players are going to want a chunk of it? Okay, so and the irony as well, you know, we're talking about player workloads and burnouts, and what do we do? We want to add another competition. What really got my goat is the fact that Steve Hansen's part of this, and he's been a guy that's just been championing, you know, we can't overwork them, and wants a global season. Well, guess what? There's something else you're just throwing into the mix. And once again, people, once again, another example of rugby eating itself up. We need to solve problems before we can start plugging these things in. Do we have a global rugby calendar? No. Do we even have a global rugby game at the moment? No, we're in the middle of a pandemic. But what is being done whilst we're in the situation where there is downtime and a little bit of disc discontinuity with regard? But what is World Rugby doing at the moment to actually say, hey, look, this is what we're thinking. Once we get back to being able to travel, which Lord knows when, but this is when we think we should have, because you've got time now to have these particular discussions. Are they? No. Right now. What are the what are the priorities for World Rugby? Should the priorities for World Rugby be endorsing a 12-a-side tournament? Kowtowing to private equity groups? No. Sort out your rules. Get your global calendar sussed. 1 and 1A. One That's what you got to do. Sort your calendar. 
sort the rules. Not hard. Then start doing all this other stuff. But you're going to plug it in in, in August. Come on, man. You know, I, I love the fact that they've at least made it because it's going to be a great opportunity as well for the female players to, to, to have that too. But come on, let's get some stuff sorted first. Let's use this opportunity while things are a little bit disjointed because of the pandemic to go, right, we're going to be doing this, 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 and this. And then we go, and then we say, oh, we're just going to lob that in there when things are already. Where's our leadership, Sir Bill? Come on. We just need someone to grab the bloody reins of this thing. Otherwise, I kid you not, we are sitting watching the death of rugby. And it doesn't have to die during the pandemic. This is an opportunity to reinvigorate. I will say that again. It is an opportunity to reinvigorate. And we're not. Everyone's panicking. Trying to make sure that they get their, their money at the moment. They're worried about this and broadcast deals. And, and, and I can understand and I can appreciate that. But just take a big deep breath. And then look at where the problems are. People don't want to watch rugby. Why? Because they're confused over rulings. People don't want to watch rugby because they see someone get sent off on the weekend and then that red card is rescinded four days later after a lawyer and a biomechanic is brought in to get him off. Will I watch? Look, if I get the opportunity to watch Antoine Dupont passing the ball to um, Richie Moanga with Semirad Raja outside, of course I'm going to watch. Because that's just an insane prospect to think about. Just like watching Aaron Smith passing to Finn Russell. And then flick a ball out wide to Lacanio Arm. Sign me up. I ain't, I ain't going to not watch that. But seriously, come on. We've, we've got to get the priorities right. And we're not getting the priorities right just at the moment, in my opinion. Righty-ho. Thank you to everybody. Thank you very much to Craig Daniel, DG, Matt, Jamie, Carl and Corey, Hugh, uh, Zippy and Isaac for your questions. Let's check out the poll. What do we got here in terms of the poll? Don't know if anyone's voted or not. Let's go have a look. Bum, 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 bum. No one's voted. Have I even activated this thing? And the Reopen the poll. Didn't realise I had closed the poll. What do we got? Can we do it now? Dun, 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 dun. I don't know what I've done here. I don't know if I've done this right or wrong. I thought I'd activated it. Published the poll. I have published the poll. Boom, boom, boom. It is active, apparently. No one's voted. That's fine. That's cool. Not a problem by me. Um, throw it in there. Who is the greatest uh, player of men's tennis current big three? So Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Um, throw your vote in there. Let me know. And we'll total it all up at the end of it. Righty-ho. Before we come into your questions... I'm going to do two things. I'm going to have a sip of my uh, going very cold coffee. Mm. And we'll do now the uh, section uh, that uh, Gio introduced a couple of weeks ago. Yarns from the box. And as I said at the uh, start of the um, broadcast, this week my yarns are going to be about me old mate Brian Ashby. Uh, Gash, God bless him, stepped away after an extraordinary broadcasting career down there in uh, Christchurch. I'm sure you'll still hear him do uh, a little bit of rugby. 
uh, maybe to, to round out the, the season when the NPC FPC gets fired up once again. Uh, but Gash is just one of the, the, the real good guys. Um, knows his sport. This is a guy who's done um, Ironman. He's an endurance athlete. Does the five passes every year. Loves his, loves his multi-sport. Knows those um, communities so well. So strong. Goes to Ironman each year. Part of the commentary team there. Has comp- competed as well. Just a good, good man. Um, no one... Well... The man of you said so many nicknames. Yo, he was that that sports guy, that try guy. Uh, we call him Mr. Medals. He's known as Gash for obviously is the the one that most people call him, uh, Mr. Medals. And that was because of uh, 2008. He did the swimming commentary. 2008 was the year that um, Phelps won uh, eight medals at Beijing and uh, at the uh, the Cube which was the, uh, the uh, aquatic complex there in Beijing. Now, the, the story goes that four years ago, this four years prior at Athens, I think the radio sport team had been able to do a, a lap of the Olympic track and field circuit. So Gash was, was pretty keen, having you know sat there and watched this pool and called all of these medals for um, Michael Phelps. And every time he'd go for a new one, so, you know, it'd be the dive for five, oh, he kicks for six. Can he be great and get eight? You know, those things he was making the final two. It, it was brilliant. It was great theatre. Goran Paladin, who, who um, I'm sure you will, people will remember from Radio Sport now, was on Sky Sport, but heads their league coverage there. Goran did this amazing audio montage with the music underneath of it of Phelps' eight and Gash's commentary, and it was it, it, absolutely brilliant. It was some of, some of Goran's best work. It was tidy, hit the right notes, he had the music right. It was one of those ones you just sat and you're just like, yo, man, this, this is just goosebumps uh, over you listening to it and it was awesome so Gash had, Gash had got it in his head he, he said oh, oh I'd really really love to uh, you know love love to do a, do a length of that it'd be quite cool actually go up and down it'd be good and so uh, and so we we finished up so we, we're at the International Broadcast Centre we finished up our last day and we're going for a wander and the decision was made we were going to try and get Gash to swim a length or a couple of links of the pool, of the aquatic scene. Try and get him into lane four, which is where Phelps had won all of his um, all of his medals. So I do want to work at the Olympics. I hope this, uh, this isn't going to uh, come back and bite me in the ass in, in years to come. Anyway, let's keep on going. So we go in there. There's um, Brian, obviously. So he's got the black budgie smugglers underneath. He's, he's got the budgies on. He's got his cap and he's got his goggles. Okay, but he's got the trackies on. He's ready to go flip-flop so he can just do the quick out, down, in. Uh, Matt Brown, key component in this particular escapade. Myself, Malcolm Jordan, Brian Ashby. And so we... we were, Andrew Alderson. Alders was there as well. Alders was there as well. So... We were able to get in because uh, after the, the swimming had completed, they obviously started prepping then for the Paralympics, which would follow in a, in a, in a, at the conclusion of the, the Olympic Games. So they, was, they were prepping for that. So we had our passes. We were able to get in. No problem. So in, just going in. Matt Brown at the front. Now, anyone who doesn't know Matt Brown, Matt Brown is, one of the, again, just another beautiful, beautiful human being, can talk at pace, and he can do so underwater with a mouthful of sand. That is how good a quick talker Matt Brown can be. So what happened was myself and Malcolm, we went up to the top. I don't know why we went up to the top or why Malcolm went up the top. 
I went up the top because I was absolutely packing myself. I didn't want to get arrested. Ashby, Alderson, Brown, they go down poolside. And we're watching this all unfold. And there's this lone um, worker just sweeping and looking. And they've got the, the, they've got the, the pool there. And, you know, the, the banners that they hang down that, you know, signify if you're doing the backstroke, okay, you've got X, y, X metres to go to, to the touch the wall. There and there. And they've got this lane lane ropes and all that, but things falling down in it. And this guy starts walking towards and starts waving his hand. He got browned. He got Matt Brown Deluxe. Matt just started machine gun. Very important gentleman. He comes from the New Zealand. He's here. He's coming here. He's going to test the water. He's got to do it for the New Zealand Paralympic team. We've got to get him in there. He's going to do a leak. Come back. Come back. Okay, everything fine. Cool. Shows the accreditation. This poor guy was just like, okay. But, and that was it. Ashby, shirt off, trousers down, jandals off, cap on, goggles, boom and in. Swimming, swimming, just in, ducking underneath, swim, 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 turn, turn does the dive, dive turn, back down, swimming, swimming, starts, get, gets out into lane four. And away he goes and swims, 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 gets to the end, touches, gives it the big double fist pump over the top. Great, I've got a great photo of him, lane four, giving it that. I knew how to Photoshop it. I would have Photoshopped it with Phelps or, or one of some of the other guys uh, around it. And just this massive, massive smile. Handshakes for the Chinese guy who obviously thought he'd just done really well because Chef was puffed out and gave it a bit of a sweep and, and we all we all headed away. Matt Brown was magnificent. Andrew Alderson, whilst Gash was doing the swimming, Alderson was just sitting chatting. Alders knew a little bit of Chinese, conversational Chinese, and so obviously we're sort of trying to serve this guy and that sort of thing. And came out, everything was fine. And then just Ashby's smile. Just the smile, just the biggest, the, the happiest man absolutely on the planet, I can tell you that. There, there, was, there would have been no doubt in my mind he would have been the happiest human being on the planet. The smile was was absolutely extraordinary. Um, and so it was great. And wandering away, and he's just doing, he's just saying those sort of Brian Ashby things, because he's just like, oh, God, that was... That was great. That was great. That's there. That was the ducks nuts. It really was. Dogs bollocks. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 Just loved it. And um, it was cool. And and I just remember the joy on his face. And it was interesting because at the start of those very same Olympic games. Sorry to keep going on the, on the story. My other favourite gas story from those same games. So we talk about it. He, he loves his cycling. Um, loves the, loves the tour. Went over, followed the tour, did all that sort of stuff. Um, so we're walking through the IBC, the International Broadcast Centre. So all the broadcasters you've got a little base little hidey holes and that sort of things where you where you go and you work from and so you walk through and so it's this big melting pot of all of these broadcasters and so we're wandering through and um walking and, and Gash is sort of we're just sort of sitting there waiting and Gash sort of comes over because Phil Liggett's over there Phil Phil Liggett the great cycling commentator to a France fame Phil Liggett's over there and he reaches into this little duffel bag he's got and he pulls out and he's got Phil Liggett's book. He's like, oh, mate, I'm, re- I'm reading his book at the moment. <laughs> Need to go over and get an autograph then, don't you? Oh, no, 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 don't be stupid, no, no, heck no. And we just kept at him. He's, he's, he's just sitting over there again. Gash, Gash, this Phil, just over there, over there. Gash, shut up, you guys. He's just over there. Piss off, you bastards. Yeah, one more guy. <laughs> Eventually, so he did like three laps around it and you could see Liggett just looking out of his eye and clearly he knew and I think because Gash played one thing Gash did because I knew it was because he sort of made it so you could see the cover of the book and that caught Liggett's eyes 
and he just sort of and he sort of Phil looked and you can see Gash sort of going over and next next thing you know it's so, Phil signed it he's got a photo once again that smile big smile massive big smile and just a happy happy man the other one he's got a he's got a Massive affinity for his toothbrush, Brian Ashby, as well, just the way. The other one, too, was he was the instigator of us doing the baton exchanges outside the U.S. broadcast compound using a 500ml bottle uh, can of Chinese beer. This was the night after both the men's and the women's U.S. relay teams had butchered the baton exchanges and got humped by Jamaica in the 4x100 relay teams. We're closed up, we're gone, we're wandering, that sort of thing. Yeah, she goes, let's go, let's just uh, go this way. Why? And then he starts doing it. All four of us in a line, bottom, bang, batting changes, bang, bang, walk past. One American guy, piss off. And this other guy, he goes, yeah. And then he looked at us and he just winked. He said, nice. <laughs> we just kept on one, bang, bang, doing our batting changes. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Yarns are on the box this week. Those are my three favorite Brian Ashby stories. I've got a bucket load others he's just a good good human being uh brian ashby and an alpaca god bless god bless righty ho um thank you very much there you go that's yarns from the box something a bit different for you anyway let's get stuck into it still got time to vote by the way uh greatest of the men's big three uh oh yeah we've got some votes coming in at the moment we got rafa roger and so it's roger from rafa and novak at the moment now can i change that so it says what the things are. No, don't know how to do that. Anyway, uh, at the moment, so we're at uh, 57% for Rog, 29% for Rafa, who's my vote, by the way, and Novak is at 14. Righty-ho. Let's go to the comments. Thank you very much. Let's see what we've got here. Um, BC, how good is that since having live coverage of the Black Caps Tour of Pakistan, T20 World Cup, and the Cricket World Cup next year? Yep, it is absolutely brilliant. It really is good. Um, to be able to do that. It's the, it's the thing that ECNZ ha- has got because they're an Australian-based company and they have access to that. They've got the funds, obviously, to be able to uh, to bid to get those rights as well, but clearly New Zealand is going to benefit from that. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant, BC. Cannot, can't argue that uh, one little bit at all. Um, uh, there's a few people saying, though, they shouldn't be going to Pakistan given the uh, uh, upheaval there. And, and obviously, look, they will do all that sort of stuff. Um, I know they have people who they send into those sort of areas to make sure everything's it's it's hunky dory. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. You know, you know, they do these things. So, but yeah, it is great that if those tours do go ahead in the World Cups, yep, that'll be absolutely awesome. Uh, from Zippy, g'day Zippy, how are you? Uh, get, got thro- got thrown in Facebook jail, hence the second account. What have you been up to, Zippy? Um, yeah, it has been announced that Sam Wallach uh, is back with the Australia once he's computed MIQ. Well, Zippy, help me out, mate, if you are watching, please. How long is the uh, MIQ period in Australia? Is it is it uh, a week? Is it 10 days? Is it 14 days? Can you let me know that? Because the way I read it, so he leaves, um, he will be back. I think he's going Friday. So that means the following week would be the second Argentine test for the first week. Second one again would be the first South African. So he should be good to play the final South African game if that's the case. Um, but yeah, if you can tell me just how long, Zippy, the, the MIQ is, or if anyone knows what the MIQ length in Australia is, please let me know just so I can clarify that. Uh, Carlin, read an article on stuff where some top-level referees are named in the article. 
said they had a different conclusion on Geordie's red card. Shows how there are so many interpretations on the same incident, which is down to the grey areas in the law. Look, um... I know the article you're referring to. I think it was written by Aaron Goyle, who is a uh, senior writer, Waikato-based. Good man, um, AG. Uh, I also thought they said in the article they could understand exactly how they got to the red card as well. I also heard Nigel Owen speaking to Darcy Watergrave, and Nigel said it was a red card. So there you go. There's the issue. You know, and you're right, with interpretations, which is why we've got the grey areas, which is why if we simplify Carlin and re- reword it and we make it black and white, that, then these, as I say, it's, it's the ambiguity, it's the cloudiness, it's the someone interprets it this way, other people interpret it that way. If you just give them this decision or that decision, that's it. Okay, so we've got to go with the 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 the, um, the wording of certain areas, and it's like, oh, if this one does this, or this one does this, or this one does no. If does this happen? Yes, fine. Does this happen? No, penalty. That's what you want. It's it's like if if you get asked, it's, it's like me poor me poor old mate that got machine gunned by Matt Brown. He just had a million things coming at him at, at once. The human brain. Some brains are able to compute that stuff, some it can't. You've got to take that in, react, looking at this. You're watching referees, and even with the assistant referees, you see them, they're looking at this. You get back, looking over there, is this happening here? There's a lot happening. And I, I was thinking about it as well. You look at, so the NFL starts up on Friday, right? So that's, at one time on the field, it's 11 players per team. So there's 22 players. How many refs are on the field? It's a refereeing crew of seven or eight. Okay, for 22 players. And those are just like things that happen, blah, blah, and then they reset again. You know, so I, I think there's a lot of, when you look at, yeah, I do one, that's the other thing as well, just completely coming out of left field here, Carlin. Do we need more officials on the field? Do we actually need more officials on the field? Because you're talking about a game of 22 players, which is incredibly stop-start, where they've got, as I say, seven or eight umpires for the NFL. And then you look at rugby, 30 players on the field at a time. You've got one referee in the middle. You've got two others running up and down the sideline. They can't encroach. You know, the, the NFL, those guys are on. And it's such a more fluid, and you're going to have such longer periods of play. I'm sorry. Um, Thomas, how about Pat Herbert? Uh, what have I missed there? I'm not familiar with Pat Herbert. Um, have I missed some news there? Um, Thomas, please let me know if I've missed that. Uh, semi can't vote. Hopefully I have uh, corrected that. You should be able to vote now, Semi. I hope I have done that, mate. So uh, if I have corrected it, please let me know in the comment down below. From DG, um, didn't even know that Brian had retired. Liked hearing his calls. Would always listen to the Rugby on Radio Sport back in the day. Um, from Melanie, love your page more. Now that you've got a poll about the big three of men's tennis. Well, Melanie, I know you love your tennis, so please, if you can in the comments, 
Can you please explain who you chose and why? Because I know Melanie uh, knows her tennis exceedingly well. Really nice knowledge on it. So, Melanie, if you've got time, just quickly, who you chose and how come? From Damien, could you see big crowds for the NPC when it does come back later on? Or is depend So, it's like everything, Damien. It depends on the levels. You've got to get back to level one. I personally don't think we're going to be getting out of level two for a reasonable length of time. I genuinely don't. I don't think if Auckland by chance were to go down to say a level three, I still think the rest of the country are going to level two. I personally, and as I say, I repeat, I am, I am not an expert, and we should always defer to the experts when it comes to this sort of stuff. But my read on it is we're going to be in level two for a long period of time. Um, particularly with this Delta variant, and obviously there's this other one as well that's sort of floating around there too. Um, so yeah. Uh, so what else we got? Yeah, that's uh, that's it uh, that we've got at the moment. Um, so yeah, any other questions, feel free to throw them in there. The voting as it stands at the moment, Roger is at 67%, Rafa 22 and Novak is at 11%. Can I show the result in the video? It says I can. We'll see if it does do that for us. Um, there we are. Oh, it does do that. That's yeah, quite awesome. So, so Rod's leading at the moment, 67. Rougher, 22. Novak, uh, 11. It, it really is because you can just sit there and make the, the most amazing cases for all, all of these um, players. They're, they're absolutely outstanding. I don't think there's any doubt when you look at the women's game that Serena's the go-to, irrespective of what you think of her personality in terms of her play. You know, I, I think she really is incomparable in terms of that sort of a thing. But this one here, I think you can make a really compelling argument. I'm waiting for someone to do the you know, the definitive statistical breakdown, do some real advanced analytics on it. Uh, I'm sure someone in time will do that there, but my goodness gracious me. Um, hopefully now, Semi, you couldn't vote. Hopefully you're able to. Carlin, likewise with yours as well. Uh, he went with Roger, longevity, pleasing on the eye to watch. You know, I, he he had a smoothness about him. I can't deny that. Rafa was, I guess, a little bit herky-jerky, but goodness gracious me, the dude just has a motor on him. Can play. Can play. Righty-ho. Well, I think that looks like it's uh, about it for the moment, everybody. I really do appreciate uh, your time uh, for flicking the, the questions through. Uh, a reminder, if you're coming in late and you want to see the rest of it, obviously the video will pop up on the Facebook page. We'll also do it as a podcast. And if you are listening to the podcast now, thank you very much for uh, subscribing and listening to Wednesday Night with Nigel. It's very much appreciated. Uh, looking forward to doing this all again Next Wednesday, um, please, if you do have any poll suggestions, uh, please uh, let me know. Either send me a message or just even flick something on uh, this particular um, uh, string of comments, whatever they call it, thread, I think is the right term. Uh, Semi's gone with uh, Roger Federer as well. Thank you, Roger. I don't know one of the reasons why you can't. I should be able to, but anyway. Maybe I'm 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 learning my way around this. It's currently Roger at seventy, Rafa twenty, and Novak at ten. So you can tell that ten people have voted, and I appreciate those ten people uh, for doing so as well. Thank you everybody for your company this evening. It's been very much appreciated. Um, really look forward to doing this again next Wednesday night for another edition of Wednesday Night. 
with Nige. Thank you very much. Enjoy.